This is a day I've been looking forward to for two and a half years. We're really proud of Timeline. We're going to reimagine Windows. Microsoft is announcing the breakthrough game console called Xbox. We've created a platform attuned to consumers' changing behaviors and an evolving sense of play. We set out to make the best watch in the world. And today, we're introducing Nexus 7. This is it, Xbox One. And we are calling it iPhone. The latest news, the newest products, the biggest names. Welcome to Your Tech Report. Online at yourtechreport.com. Join Mitchell Whitfield and Marco Flalo for the next hour of Your Tech Report. And the first edition of Your Tech Report for the month of June. Mitchell Whitfield, good day, everybody. Welcome to Your Tech Report. I am Marco Flalo. I like how you did that. Yes, you are. And you are Mitchell Whitfield. Mitchell, welcome to the first week of June. How are you? I'm doing great, Mark, and thank you for the for the very warm welcome to Yes. This is really the first episode that we've done, the first show in the week of June, uh, in the month of June in 2015. But Mark, um, we, we have we have a, obviously we have news, we have some great interviews, we have some hands-on reviews, a little bit of everything, right? Oh yeah, it's a packed, uh, packed show. It, it, it's a packed show, but you know, in our news, we have the first piece of news, tech news that is, that actually made us both blush. So I'm very much looking forward to covering that. That's our little tease, and keep the word tease in mind when we do tell you about this new product. But Mark, would you like to get us started, as you always do, giving our lovely listeners information, how to contact us, social media, on our website? Would you like to do that? I would love to do that, Mitchell. Thank you for that wonderful segue. Do your thing. If you want to get in touch with us, we encourage you to follow us on Twitter. It is at Your Tech Report. Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report. Our email address is contact at YourTechReport.com. And, of course, the pages of YourTechReport.com. Mitchell, uh, a lot of interesting announcements this week. I think the biggest uh, one of which, it's debatable, okay? But I think the release date for Windows 10 um, is probably the biggest news of the week. Uh, July 29th is when you'll be able to get Windows 10 as a free upgrade if you are an owner of Windows 7 or Windows 8.1. That free upgrade is only available for a one-year period, so you want to get in uh, get in on that right away. And you want to sign up for the upgrade. Uh, if you have Windows 7 or Windows 8.1, you'll notice a little Windows icon on your taskbar next to your internet connection. It'll allow you to get in line for that upgrade. Now, there's a caveat to this because people have been asking me, well, what about if I want to do a clean installation? Well, if you want to do a clean install of Windows 10, don't worry. Still sign up for the upgrade. That same installation file that you will download for the upgrade will allow you to do a clean install on your machine. So it is going to, it's going to be a digital clean installation as opposed to a hard disk-based clean installation, yes? Yes, sir. It is a digital clean installation of Windows 10, and you can hang on to that file for future updates, et cetera, et cetera. So do get in line for that right now. We encourage you to do that. You know, it's funny. The only reason I emphasize the digital clean install is because it's such it's it's oh, what is that? My my devices are making noise. Um, it's it's kind of a unique concept. We're so used to doing clean installs from a physical piece of media, right? Whether it's an external yeah. drive that has that has an OS on it, or you know, more likely DVD or Blu-ray. So yeah, that's kind of interesting. A digital clean install. Now, Mark, uh, the price point. Uh, if you are not a seven or eight point one owner right now, let's say you're still rolling old school with a XP or Vista, is it one twenty nine or is it something like that? At uh, one nineteen is what the oh, price point wow, will okay. be. Uh, of course, it depends close. on the version. One nineteen for the home version. It'll be one ninety nine for the pro version. And uh, if you want to upgrade to pro, you have to pay an additional ninety nine dollars if you're a home version, et cetera, et cetera. So um, hmm. there, there still are a couple versions of it. There's some things that are that are not going to be there in Windows ten, things like Media Center and things that you might have been used to, but uh, 
this is look looking like a promising update for Windows. We've been playing with it on various devices. It's definitely a nice step ahead in the right direction. And this is the first time that they're releasing a, a operating system like this completely software. Like I mean, this is a download. I mean, like everybody else is going now on the service on the software side. It is download only here. You know what's really cool about this, too, as well, because, you know, Microsoft announced uh, several months ago their HoloLens project, which is basically their augmented reality headset, and they basically said it was going to be out much sooner than people thought. It's coming out this year, they told us, and they said within the launch window of Windows 10. So now that we know that July 29th, is it, Mark? July 29th is going to be the release of Windows 10. Uh, That sort of makes me want to reach out and say, okay, guys, uh, what exactly do you consider? Usually they consider a launch window within three months. Is that pretty safe to say. Yeah, that's a good so maybe you know, July, August, September, October maybe, pre-holiday for HoloLens. So it, there is a little trickle down because there are other things attached to Windows 10 and also Xbox functionality coming to you with Windows 10. So a lot of cool things are wrapped up into the new operating system, not just the software. We've seen some interesting trends from Microsoft of late. They haven't been one of these companies that really go out and acquire a lot of smaller, smaller brands, but they've stepped up their game on this side. And I think it's about software innovation. It's about realizing that there is value in what other people are doing, whether it be in the Accompli app that is now Outlook for various platforms, but they also just bought Wonderlist. This is a German company that came out with this great to-do uh, to-do list app called Wonderlist. You can share your tasks. You can do lots and lots of things with Wonderlist. They bought that this week. Wonderlist will still exist, and pro users will still have all the features. But we can see this cool technology roll into products like Office and Outlook and things down the road, which is very exciting. I think that's something they kind of had to do, don't you, Mark? Because we've seen this is one area where Apple on the software side, especially in their their app ecosystem, their list apps are probably at the top of all the charts of all the different operating systems, yeah. Android, iOS, um, and of course, you know, Windows. But this is a good step for Microsoft. And I think with their new CEO wanting to make more of a presence and sort of innovate on the software side and not just the hardware side, this is a way for a company that basically has not rested on their laurels, but they've gotten away with uh, by putting out great new versions of great existing products. So strengthening themselves where they have not been strong in the past, it's nice to see Microsoft doing that and not just expanding on what they've already done. You know, I kind of like to see that. Intel this week, Mitchell, uh, made a couple announcements, the first of which was new mobile-ready Broadwell processors, which is their latest processor, which is interesting because they kind of missed the boat on the Apple updates because Apple updated their, their MacBook Pro with Retina Display just a couple weeks ago, and they did not include these chips that are now announced. So it's interesting to see these kind of show up. And the other announcement is a Thunderbolt 3. You know, we've seen Thunderbolt and Apple products. It's something that Intel and Apple and some other companies got together to create. But Thunderbolt 3 aside from having faster speeds, is adopting that USB Type-C connector that uh, Apple used in their new MacBook. So it's interesting interesting to see them uh, take on this new connector, and we're obviously going to see this connector you know, uh, be applied down the road everywhere. I think this is good news for people that are either on the fence or have just invested, of course, in their new MacBook. A lot of confusion, of course, as to what's going to happen now with that one port to rule them all. But it's nice to see other formats adopting the USB-C protocol. Uh, and hopefully, this is something that will catch on because, once again, with a USB-C mark, you can plug in one adapter that will allow you to plug in power, USB, and now we see lightning and thunderbolt. So, I mean, this is a this is a nice step forward for people that were sort of on the fence waiting to see if this new pro port would be adopted. So it's good news. 
in the category of I Told You So by Mitchell Whitfield. Uh, Apple's <laughs> watch will be sold in stores uh, this month if it isn't already in stores. You, I mean, watch bands. I bought my new watch band in store. And the actual watch itself, not only is it going to be available in store, but shipping time is down to five to seven days for some of the 38 millimeter versions. All this ahead of WWDC. I'm glad you said uh, it, it saved me from having to say I told you so because this was such a, a wonky and wacky two separate thoughts there uh, moved by Apple to have these great, you know, displays in store, but uh, you can't buy them. So now I think, you know what, Mark, maybe this just shows us this whole move by Apple to only do it online was a move that they made knowing full well they'd go in store once the supply constraints were not as tight. Now that they have the supply chain catching up to demand, they probably need to start selling it in store to start getting people interested again now that the initial push is over. So maybe this is what they planned all along, but still, I hate the original move they made and I won't go back from that. Google has announced a very cool app called Street View. Now, if you have used Google Maps in any way, shape, or form, you know Street View is your ability to actually see physical pictures of storefronts, et cetera, et cetera. Their new app, though, takes things to a new level because with the addition of 360-degree cameras, they are now going to allow you, casual consumer, to actually upload and send in pictures to populate the street view in Google Maps and other apps in their ecosystem. So not only are they relying on their own vehicles to kind of capture these images, but they're going to give you the power to submit those as well, which is kind of neat. Yeah, it kind of makes me worried that like how many you know shots are we going to see of naked dudes standing on corner, naked dude buying milk in a store outside the door. But you know what, Mark? I, I think this is a move they kind of had to make because Google is one of the few companies that early on wanted to do things on their own. They did not use crowdsourcing. They wanted to make sure the information that they gave to their users was controlled, kind of like what Apple does, but on the software side. And now, I mean, I don't know. I don't know about you, Mark, but I've seen about in Montreal, but here in Los Angeles, I've seen the Google cars going around with a 360 degree yep, camera in them. my neighborhood. Yep. taking video, but it's a very hands-on and very sort of slow approach. And I think they kind of need this crowdsourcing to get everything up to speed to where the customer kind of wants it. So yeah, I mean, I'll, I hope they're still going to have those funky cars around the neighborhood because they're really cool, but it's good to see them opening up to the common user to help crowdsource and accelerate the process. Well, you know, the combo makes sense because even, you know, things like storefronts close and open very quickly. So right. if you're looking at an image that was from three, four months ago and your favorite Menchie's place closed down, you exactly. So that, you know, the crowd, the crowdsourcing makes a lot of sense, which is really, 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 Wait, do, really cool. Do you have Menchies in Montreal? Of do you course, have Menchies there? You really? Oh, I didn't know it was like an international chain. That's really cool. I'm more of a Golden Spoon guy, but bravo. That's great. And well, we have Yay Yogurt too, Y-E-H. Do you have that as well? I don't know what that is, but it sounds very exciting. Just Ver the name is exciting. Verizon is uh, looking to help people police the drone marketplace. They're <laughs> offering up their towers to uh, to help regulators control drone movement and monitor the usage. I mean, it makes sense if you think about any company that might have locations cross town. A cell phone company is obviously the one to do it, and they're offering it up to the regulators. I don't know, good or bad, I don't know, but uh, interesting. Uh, I think it's interesting, leaning toward bad. Um, and again, once again, there. listen, a car can be weaponized in the wrong hands yeah. by someone that doesn't know how to drive or is impaired from drugs or alcohol. We get that. Uh, unfortunately, you don't need a license to fly a drone. And I think this is what everything is coming to, where it's something in the hands of the consumer that people can't really control. It's flying, it's powerful, it has cameras. So there are a lot of different things involved here. But I think a lot of this would be solved, Mark. Forget the towers, forget the police getting involved. Maybe people 
people have to have some sort of a license or pass a test in order to operate a drone in any kind of neighborhood. I'd be willing to do that if all the other regulations were lifted a little bit. I'd be willing to go through an initial kind of pain in the butt process to fly my drone, knowing that after that, people would kind of back off and not get all crazy on me. So it's, you know, to remain more to be seen. That's for sure. I could name a couple people today who could use a drone license. Mitchell, Patriot is known for their memory, right? They're <laughs> they're known for USB memory and hard drives and obviously, uh, you know, RAM and stuff like that. But they're getting into a new market, aren't they? Uh, yeah, well, you know, it's... Um I think they've had these out before, but they're certainly, at the very least, upgrading what they've put out uh, in their Viper line of keyboard and mice, uh, gaming keyboards and gaming mice. Now, as you said, Patriot, now Patriot for years has been putting out fantastic, you know, RAM for computers, uh, storage, you know, SD cards, thumb drives. Patriot, I've been a big fan of Patriot for a long time. They've always put out an excellent quality product at a very reasonable price point. And now I'm kind of expecting the same from their new line of keyboards and mice. Uh, I know they're, they were showing it this week. Uh, you know, they've been showing it off this week. I'm sure I'll see more at E3. But it's good news for me because as a gamer, I like seeing other companies that are sort of entrenched in the computer world putting out really cool high-end gaming products. For me, it's a pleasant it's a pleasant thing because especially from Patriot, I know I'm going to get something good quality, reasonable price. So as soon as we get our hands on one, I will, of course, have a full review. Monday is WWDC, Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference. The keynote kicks off at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, a lot of expectations from Apple. Obviously, iOS 9, the latest operating system, which we are hearing, is really just going to be a lot of bug squashing on what we have in iOS 8. There may be, obviously, some focus on the music, on the beat side since that acquisition, some spotlight features, some some overall aesthetic stuff down the road. But we, we I, I, I don't know. HomeKit is one of those things that I think we're going to see front and center, controlling your home a little bit more with Siri. Right. Um, OS 10 is going to get an update again. Not ex- not necessarily going to be anything you know mind blowing. Apple TV is something that people are up in the air about. Some people are saying that we won't even see any Apple TV updates at this WWDC because they're just not ready for it. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Is this the first time, and this is really a question for you, is this the first time in a long time that we've had a WWDC coming up? And when I mean coming up, I mean days away. And there really have been no rumors about any hardware at all that we are going to see. You're right. Apple TV was the closest thing that we were teased with to having a major update. But from what we hear, Apple TV is moving into a monthly paid service. And because of that, they have to make sure they have providers, content providers, on board with them to make the announcements, to make sure there are enough providers to launch this service. From what we're hearing, they haven't gotten everyone signed on yet. So we're hearing things here and there. CBS is in, maybe CBS. Well, they might be in. But because they couldn't gather everyone at once to make a full-fledged announcement, announcement, we're hearing that they're going to hold off. Is this the first time that you can remember, Mark, that we don't have any kind of cool hardware candy to be excited about for WWDC? It's it's all behind us. I mean, the Apple Watch is here. We'll probably see some fun stuff in terms of what software developers will be able to do with the Apple Watch. Yeah, that I'd like to see. We're told Apple TV is going to get a revamp in terms of the hardware, but with with them not being ready to announce the streaming TV deal, obviously we're definitely not, well, definitely. I mean, who knows? But, uh, you know, everybody close to Apple says it's not going to happen on Monday. So who knows? I mean, hardware, I don't think, I mean, all the updates have been done. Yeah, you're right. I think the only thing that we have to look forward to now is to see the new Beats 
you know, Apple's going to release yeah. Beats, we hear, at WWDC and talk about this new model that they have. And, you know, we're hearing a $10 per month fee. We're hearing uh, actual no free aspect of it, no free music downloads. So we're hearing rumors in that area. So it looks like waiting to hear how they're going to re reimagine and release Beats might be one of the more exciting things that we really know nothing about. So... There you go, Beats fans. No new Beats audio, you know, no new Beats hardware, no new headphones as far as we know. But hey, maybe we'll get lucky and then throw the new headphones out too. We have no idea. We have no idea. We'll find out more when uh, WWDC kicks off. Uh, keynote again at 10 a.m. Pacific time. That's 1 p.m. Eastern on Monday. And we will, of course, give you all the details at yourtechreport.com. And you can follow us on Twitter as well. By the way, the Apple Watch in store is June 26th is the confirmed date. That's the official date. So Friday, June 26th, I celebrate mm -hmm. my birthday by letting other people get an Apple Watch. It's all fun. <laughs> now, Mark, uh, should we uh, address the elephant in the room um, and talk about this one product that I teased at the beginning? Should I I'm trying, I'm trying to avoid it, quite honestly, because uh, I don't know how to not blush on the radio. Well, it's good. I, I will tell people that you are blushing. We are both adults. We have an adult audience, although we are not an adult-themed show in that adult way. But this product is more adult with the quote marks than it is grown-up. So let's just dive right in. There, there is a product out there called Lovely. It's called Lovely. Uh, Mark sent me a video for this product. Uh, was it a Kickstarter campaign that you sent? It's us an Indiegogo go campaign. It's expected to uh, be released in the market in June 2016. Retail so price away. is $99, and okay. uh, I'll let you take care of the rest because I really don't want to talk about it. All right, so what is Lovely? Uh, the way they position it is kind of position is a funny word for this. The way they position the product is there have been smart products built for every aspect of our life. There are telephones, there are smart tablets, smart connected homes, one of Mark's favorite things to talk about, a connected home. But where there's no smart product is in the world of, <clears throat> let's say, adult activities, no sexual or adult-oriented products that are smart products. Well, this product called Lovely is a wearable device. I'm going to leave it at that. It's wearable by a man, but made for a woman. I feel like it sounds like a secret commercial. And uh, this device not only uh, stimulates uh, performance, but it also has uh, receivers and um, chips built into it and a, and a companion app for it that tracks your romantic activity and lets you see in a, in a bar graph your performance. I've never seen anything quite make, like it this. It makes suggestions on other things you could possibly do to spice things up and obviously burn more calories. It's exactly really it's right. an activity tracker for the bedroom, isn't it? It's the Fitbit for your naughty parts. Yes, it you know really what? is. You know what? That's what they really should have. That's where they really should have gone. I mean, they can't mention Fitbit, but we will tell you. It's kind of like a Fitbit for your privates. And um, the fact that it has a companion app and tracks. Oh, and you can also send, um, I think they call it booty calls. Well, yes. The, the term is called. Yes. So it's really not booty call thing. It's if you are feeling amorous, you press something on the app, and the lovely device, the wearable device sitting on its charger base, starts to glow red. Let's just leave it at that because I could tell we're entering like sort of a dangerous area here. But the device is called Lovely, and it certainly sounds. Lovely. It is your tech report, Marco Flalo Mitchell Whitfield with you. When we come back, a very, 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 very cool interview with the guys uh, at Loot Crate. Last week we did the unboxing. When we come back, we will talk to the creators, the guys who came up with this incredible, incredible monthly, uh, monthly surprise box, really. And yep. uh, and we'll find out what makes their lives so difficult, which is just choosing the stuff that you're going to get next month. Your tech report will be right back. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. For gadget news and reviews, click to yourtechreport.com. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. Mark Aflalo, Mitchell Whitfield with you. Of course, on Twitter, it is at yourtechreport, facebook.com 
slash your tech report and of course the pages of your tech report.com oh and our email address contact at your tech report.com so mark uh on last week's show we did something that we have never done before it was a request we got plenty of requests to actually review a certain product and we did something that we've never done before, which is a live unboxing on our show. And we had a blast. And Mark, the product was Loot Crate. Um, and for those, you know, those who are listening, if you didn't catch last week's show, Loot Crate is a fantastic service. It's a monthly subscription service where you get a mystery box once a month. You don't know what's inside. It usually has a theme having to do something with pop or geek culture, comic books, video games. Uh, and, and you don't know what you're getting every month. And every month, like I said, for under 20 bucks, including shipping and handling, you get these great boxes every month filled with fantastic loot. And as promised, we brought the co-founders on. This week, we're going to be interviewing the co co-founders of Loot Crate. So we're very happy to have on our show, Chris Davis, Matthew Arvalo. Thank you so much for coming on the show this week. Yeah, thanks for having us. We're excited to be here. No, no, we're, we, we had so much fun doing the unboxing. We had to have you guys on. Let's start off with the very basic. You guys, you guys started this service. What made you guys, how did you guys come up with the idea? And how, what were the beginnings of the company? How did you guys come up with this? So, you know, I, I had been working on a, a fun energy snack product, and there was a hackathon in L.A. Uh, that had come up. And, you know, the, the kind of the general concept had come into my, my mind about two weeks prior to that. And I think everyone always surprised people. Matt and I did not meet until the day we launched the company. So I, I pitched the idea at, uh, at the hackathon, um, and Matt immediately came up after the pitch and said, "This is I love this idea. Let's let's build this." And so, um, you know, in that 24 hours after that after that pitch, we had a website live and we're you know taking lots of signups right away. We're like, "This has a lot of legs." Our first subscribers came in a couple minutes after our first tweet. And uh, we've been growing it since. Well, that, that's what's so amazing about this. I mean, social networking, the buzz about you guys for a long time has been incredible. And like you said, social networking being what it is in recent days, it caught on like wildfire. Uh, the next question I had was, you know, well, I'm not going to go into the selfish things, which is the things that I love individually in the boxes that you guys put out. But how do you determine what goes into every loot crate each month? Is it based on what you guys like? Is it customer input, kind of a balance of both? What determines what goes into every monthly crate? Yeah, it's a, it's a mix of different items uh, and different input. You know, we we obviously listen and survey all of our subscribers, and we're on all of the different social channels you can think of, from Snapchat to, to Facebook, and we're always kind of getting feedback and just kind of seeing what people are interested in. We also keep an eye out on things that we think might be a little bit of ahead of being, you know, very popular, but are starting to kind of kind of grow so we can introduce those to our audience. Uh, the fact of the matter is, you know, between all of the customers that we have and looters out there, plus a really awesome team we put together here that, that are all different types of geeks and gamers, um, it really all goes into the mix. And uh, it, it leads to some debate sometimes, but in the end, we're all trying to do everything we can to make sure the experience is as, as great as possible. Yeah, I think just to follow up on what Matt said, I think it's, it's part art, part science. One of the key things we do is make sure we cover a really broad spectrum, and so we'll do kind of major franchises as well as, you know, kind of indie anime and gaming and web series to kind of get a good mix. And we put that as a way for, for looters to discover kind of new, cool, interesting things. What, one of the things that you notice when you open uh, Loot Crate is that 
the customer always gets stuff that's pretty much a higher value than what they've spent. How are you able to actually do that? Are you able to actually make money off each one? How do, uh, it's, it just amazes me that you open this box, you've spent you know a minimal amount of money, and suddenly you're like, okay, this is you know this just T-shirt alone is worth more. Yeah, that's 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 been one of the big you know one of the big parts of the experience is how do we go out and find amazing deals so we get you know fifty plus dollars of retail value in the box. Um, so that's you know a lot of it is you know working with partners, helping them understand the value of the experience that the leaders have and that sharing and kind of the unboxing experience you have by, by kind of working with us, you get this to be a part of this really kind of fun, engaging mystery box experience. And so that value component, uh, we think is a lot of fun because it is a mystery box. And so you need to feel like, you know, you're getting a really awesome mix of items and value for that subscription. My, my first experience with Loot Crate was walking in my office, and there's a lot of people in my office space, and you know, a couple of people had a, a Loot Crate on there delivered that day, and I'm like, what is that? Um, obviously, <laughs> so that was my first experience with Loot Crate. Are you marketing traditionally at all? Is it all just word of mouth and social? Uh, you know, uh, when we first started out, you know, we, because we grew this from, from nothing, we had to utilize a lot of word of mouth advertising, and we had to try and do everything we can to make sure that the items in the box are things that people want to share and want to show off. That still happens today. And, you know, we couldn't be happier with all the photos that people share online on Instagram and uh, on their social networks just showing off the, the items they have. But we also work with partners and, and have relationships with, uh, you know, some, some people out there to kind of get the word out as well. So it's changed as the company's grown over the past couple of years, but that still is a, a really heavy component of it. And we do everything we can to make sure that there's no friction around people being able to give their feedback, that they can, they have all the resources they need in order to tell other people about the stuff they have in the crate. Yeah, yeah we definitely supplement the word of mouth with all the, you know, kind of core traditional online paid marketing channels. Um, we try to make it, you know, we don't, we don't want to have any kind of stale banner displays and stuff. So because each new month has a new theme, we can really do really fun and fresh creative on any of the kind of paid, um, paid advertising we do, but word of mouth is really the key. If the product's not fun and shareable, the paid channels aren't going to work that well anyway. Do you find that you're, um, you're still actively going out seeking product, or has the table turned a bit and people coming to you? It definitely, you know, Matt, Matt and I went to our first toy fair a few years ago, and we're like lost puppies walking around trying to figure out you know, how to get into the Lego booth or the Mattel booth. <laughs> uh, and, and, and that's changed a lot. So now... You know, we've done probably between the two of us 50 or 60 uh, comic and industry shows. Um, and so we know, we, you know, we, we have a lot of good friends now and know a lot of folks, so it's a lot easier. But, you know, end of the day, you still need to kind of walk around and see what's new and interesting. We always love finding kind of the indie artists and artist alley we don't know about and seeing how to work them into the box. So it's always that kind of work where we feel like, you know, the, the box itself with the mystery unboxing is kind of what that treasure hunt vibe. And so we have to go right. out and kind of look for products that evoke that same, you know, response from us. And if you are just joining us, we are talking with Chris Davis and Matthew Arvalo, co-founders of Loot Crate. Guys, one of the things I didn't mention in last week's unboxing, because I knew you guys weren't going to be coming on, I wanted to talk about the Mega Crate, perhaps one of the coolest things that you guys do. Could you talk a little bit, and, and I've seen what comes in them, I don't want to ruin it for anyone, could you guys talk about the Mega Crate and uh, what people could possibly get? Yeah, well, the Mega Crate is a uh, feature that we have every month where we curate a bunch of really awesome items. And, you know, these days, 
some one-of-a-kind items, including signed artwork, uh, limited edition stuff that, you know, may have been uh, really, really hard to get. And the value is generally $2,000 plus. And it's kind of just this uh, really cool thing that you can share with your friends. And we, we pick a random winner once a month in order to, to win that prize. Uh, we also do something called Mini Mega Craze, which kind of opens it up for a, a more people. And that could be like 50 to 100. And in the past, we've worked with companies like Nintendo, and we were able to get the whole Amiibo figure set, the Wii U, um, a DS, you know, all of that uh, as giveaways for people just to show kind of appreciation for sharing and for, for being a part of the community. Oh, I saw, I, I saw, I guess, in one, I don't know if it was last month, I saw this incredible Hulkbuster statue that you guys had in the Mega Crate. And, of course, I was drooling and thinking, why couldn't I have gotten that Mega Crate? And another thing, one of the, one of the last things I wanted to touch on was it wasn't that long ago, guys, where uh, the word geek or geek culture it was sort of, you know, it was sort of up and coming, but it was still on the outside looking in. And if you were at a party, eh, people maybe weren't so into it. Now, if you're at a party and you're talking with your friends about video games, comics, the latest pop vinyl figures, and someone walks over, they don't know what you're talking about. They're kind of the outsiders. Now, we've seen this great transition where geek culture has become really part of pop culture and more mainstream. Is this like a cool transition that we're seeing now? And it, it's kind of cool that that's, that's come full circle, isn't it? Yeah, no, we, I mean, we see both a big way, and I think it's been awesome for us on the, you know, the products that companies are making to reflect that, too. So there's just these really kind of high-quality, wearable, awesome, usable products that allow you to, to be a fully-grown flesh geek and, <laughs> and be wearing really cool, quality things or sharing them. And so we've seen it. You know, it's fun now when we go out with, I mean, if you, if you can imagine what our offices look like or what our wardrobes look like. We go out now again. It's just fun to have. We have all these serendipitous conversations at Starbucks or while you're on a hike, and, and people are kind of wanting to engage. And it's a really fun way to kind of be out in the world and meet people. And, and it is like it's this kind of intellectual group that really wants to chat and engage. Yeah. At, at the end of the day, what what really drives us is that that community aspect and that experience. You know. We uh, we went from you know just shipping out to a few thousand people you know a month to where we are now, which is a very large number. And in <laughs> a sense, you know we've we've helped kind of break down some of those uh, challenges of people wanting to kind of feel like you know they're they've got they're really passionate about what they're interested in, but they don't really have an outlet to do it. From the very beginning, we built the Loot Crate community to be for every type of geek. We don't brand it as like five geeks, four geeks. It's just geek and gamer pop culture items. So you can be somebody who loves Harry Potter or Transformers, and we have a, a community there. That extends out to events that we do when we see people out in the wild wearing our exclusive items. Um, it, it's really quite a rush, and it's really what keeps us motivated and moving forward. You know, out of all the jobs in the world, you guys really, really have it hard. You know, to, to be able to play in this world and to have to go out and shop for things like this, I don't know how you do it every day. I know, I know. Every, every now and then when we're having, like, a serious product argument, we, like, it's starting to get really heated. Like, wait, calm down, guys. We're fighting over which uh, which pop is going in in December. It's going to be all right. No, definitely nice problems to have. It's like, honey, do we go with Thor's hammer or do you go with the Harry Potter's wand? No, these are the great problems to have. I want to make sure that our listeners know, if you're interested in subscribing to Loot Crate or you want to learn more about it, you can go to LootCrate.com. There are multiple plans, but even the most, the most that you'll pay is $19 and change a month to get these fabulous boxes. Guys... 
I, I really do hope that we can do this again. And I'm kind of hoping we, we had such a great response to the unboxing. Maybe we'll have to do those more frequently. That's something we should talk about. We really want to thank you for coming on. We wish you the best of luck with Loot Crate. And you know that you have hopefully now millions of more fans that are going to come subscribe and make your lives that much more difficult. <laughs> Our support team is really appreciative, man. Uh, <laughs> no, th thank you guys so much for having us. This was great. And uh, we definitely love to come out again this time. So great chatting with you guys. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. We, uh, we appreciate the time. When we come back, we go hands-on with some really cool products. It's your tech report, Marco Flatlow, Mitchell Whitfield, at your tech report on Twitter, Facebook.com slash your tech report. We'll be right back. Your tech report will be right back. To your tech report, we're going hands-on. Yes, we are. Mark Flatlow, Mitchell Whitfield with you on Twitter at your tech report, Facebook.com slash your tech report, and of course the pages of your tech report.com. You know, Mark, uh, we have a couple of hands-on that we're going to do today. The first one, uh, these are a little mini hands-on pieces that we do, but I want to make sure we get both these in because they're both great. Uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is a new game from Nintendo called Splatoon. That's Splatoon. The name Splatoon. is important, of course, because it really is Splatoon. Now, basically, for years, people have been complaining that Nintendo systems don't really have shooters. They don't, they don't port third-party shooters onto yeah. the systems because they're not powerful enough. So what did Nintendo do? They made a shooter of their own, but they did it their way. They mm -hmm. did it using humor, using uh, this really cartoon-style graphic that looks fantastic. The gameplay is a blast. Basically, the characters in the game are all... It's mostly multiplayer. There is a single-player campaign as well that is also fun. It's a multiplayer third-person shooter that uses these squid-like creatures called squidlings. Oh. And the idea of the game is you have these different weapons you can use, and there's a lot of customization options, which I was really impressed by different weapons, a lot of different maps to choose from. It's a four-on-four -four shooter where your team of squidlings has to cover the majority of the map in paint or ink, you know? Oh, that's cool. So basically, you have these weapons that spray this paint all over the map, and the, it's a very simple concept, but it's very detailed, and there's so much going on in this game. You can actually, as long as your part of the map is sprayed with your color paint, your squid can go into squid mode. They flatten out and sort of do a fast swim into this paint in their squid form to travel <laughs> the map very quickly. Um, there there is a huge, I can't even tell you, huge selection of weapons, great customization options for the clothing that you wear in-game, which actually enhances different abilities that you have, you know, such as defense, offense, uh, you're traveling in squid form. Mark, I spent an entire weekend playing this game with a huge smile on my face. If anyone was worried that Nintendo couldn't do a shooter, you have not gotten your hands on Splatoon. The game is just under $60. It's for the Wii U. It's available now. I've been playing online matches nonstop. I had no problem getting online. Listen, people complain, oh, there's no online chat. With a game like this, you don't need it. That's the beauty of it. I had a great time playing online with friends, with strangers. I didn't care about the chat. I just enjoyed diving headfirst or basically squid ears first into the game. Mark, there's even a great way that they integrated Amiibo into the game. They put out three new Amiibo just for this game. It unlocks certain weapons. It unlocks different levels. So I really suggest if you're a Nintendo fan, you have to check out Splatoon for the Wii U. Are we expecting anything big from Nintendo this year at E3? 
Uh, well, I think they're going to hopefully ex expand upon the idea of doing mobile gaming. Uh, we're going to hear that. I think there are some games people are waiting for updates on. Um, Star Fox 1, the new Zelda game we know is pushed to next year. Uh, but but really, I, I'm just very excited. They also have a new system, the NX, which, of course, we're not going to hear about more more about until next year. So uh, I really don't know what to expect from Nintendo. They even do. They don't really do the conferences anymore. They do their Nintendo Directs as a corporate yeah. thing. So. I don't know. I kind of like that they're keeping us on the edge of our seat. And with the games they put out recently, uh, with Mario Kart and Splatoon and Smash Brothers for the Wii U, just a great, great fun lineup. But Mark, there's more. There's more. Do you remember uh, we interviewed the CEO of a company called Genius Pack? Of course. Was it a two or three weeks ago? Right. Yeah, yeah. And they sent us the 22-inch carry-on spinner. Now, for people that don't know, this is smart luggage, but not just because, yes, you can get a charger for it that will charge your phone, and yes, you can get a little speaker to listen to music. It's smart in the way that it's designed. Mm. All these really cool features that we really haven't seen before on a piece of luggage, like their laundry compression technology, which lets you put your clothes that you've worn into a separate opening on the bag, and then it has an air valve. As you roll up this laundry bag inside the bag, it takes the air out and makes all this room for your friends fresh, clean clothes. Really, really cool. So they have this removable laundry bag, integrated packing checklist built right into the bag. Uh, they have these high-quality wheels for a 360-degree swivel. Uh, again, they have something called a jacket wrap, which is a strap that pulls up. Because remember when you're traveling, where do I put my jacket? Do I just throw it over my, my carry-on? Well, yeah. this is a dedicated strap that's designed just to hold your jacket. There's a dedicated pocket just for magazines on the outside of the bag. It has a pop-up umbrella I think the umbrella you pay like 20 bucks extra for, but it's an integrated umbrella into the bag. How many times, Mark, have you been traveling on a trip and say, oh, I wish I just brought an umbrella with me? Every, well, almost every single time. Yeah, exactly right. Because rain is the one thing you can't predict, especially in your own city, let alone when you're traveling somewhere else. The thing that impressed me most now that I've had hands on time with a 22 inch carry on is the quality of the bag itself. And I and, and I told Alfred, the CEO, I said, you know, one of the things I want to touch on is. The quality of the bag is so good. It's as good as any high-end bag that I've ever used from any other company. And I think it would have been easy uh, for Genius Pack to sort of skimp on the quality mark because they're putting all these really cool features in to make it a smart bag. Maybe the quality could be forgiven if it wasn't so good. But they didn't do that. They actually put the time in to design an incredibly rugged bag with really good finish, nice aluminum handle, great Great, great padded carry handle. Uh, the nylon, the, the fabric they use on the outside, very tough yet very nice looking. So really, I was more. The more that I use this thing, the more I'm impressed with it. Not just as a smart bag with all its features, but with the quality of the bag itself. Uh, you can get it online, of course, at GeniusPack.com, and the bag goes for at two thirty eight, I think. But you can also find it for a little less if you go to Amazon and other retailers. Again, it's the Genius Pack twenty two inch carry on spinner, and it is fantastic. Mitchell, when we come back, we are going to talk about a drone, and I know that you're really into drones. This one really sets itself apart from others in, in so many different ways that we just had to get the creators on, on the phone, because there are so many questions I have about the Lily drone, and we're going to get to it right when we come back, right here on Your Tech Report. Your Tech Report will be right back. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. Mark Aflalo, Mitchell Whitfield with you. Your Tech Report, of course, yourtechreport.com. On Twitter, it is at yourtechreport, facebook.com slash yourtechreport. And, of course, contact at yourtechreport.com, Mitchell. Uh, you know, Mark, it's no secret that on our, our show, we are big fans of drones. We've been testing all different kinds. 
We've been talking about them, and and it's sort of like the product, the products themselves seem to be accelerating in terms of feature sets, design. But you sent me, a, I think you sent me a direct link. You sent me an email not that long, maybe a couple of weeks ago, about a new product that just blew my mind. We have never seen anything like it. And Mark, what it made us do is we immediately reached out to the company. So here to talk with us about Lily. I don't even want to go into it yet. I want I want the founder of Lily to come on and talk to us, Antoine Balleresque. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Hi, guys. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, of course. We were so excited about this product. And just to give people an idea, okay, most other products uh, in the drone category uh, seem to be, you know, exactly that drones. People have different ways of flying them, different, you know, remotes, whether they're phone. But Lily seems to be more of a flying camera platform than it is a drone. Do you think that's a fair assessment? That's exactly it. You nailed it. Really, Lily is a camera. And that's what makes it different than any other flying devices right now in the world, is that for the first time, it's a flying camera. So it's a camera that happens to be flying versus a flying device that happens to be taking videos and pictures. Exactly. And, th- and that's one of the things that makes this special. Now, for people that don't know, uh, we are not. there is no radio that controls it. There is no smartphone control here. This is really designed to be completely autonomous, which a lot of drones are not. A lot of drones have autonomous features, but Lily really was designed to be completely autonomous, yes? Well, so Lily is completely autonomous, and it uses GPS on the tracking device, so it comes with a small tracking device. You can put the tracking device in your pocket, and it will send the GPS coordinates to Lily. But on top of this, Lily does computer vision, using its built-in camera to track its owner around. And so that's really the core differentiator between Lily and any other flying cameras in the world, is that Lily has a very reliable and dynamic, dynamic, tracking. So it can get really close to the user and create this really cool immersive shot and still be very responsive using computer vision. The other thing is that by having a camera built in, we're able to create a new form factor for this kind of devices. Lily is waterproof. You can throw Lily in the air to start a new video. Um, Lily flies for 20 minutes and all these things coming together to create a whole new different experience. And so this is really why we call Lily the first real flying camera because it's all about getting you know, doing what you love and getting great footage with zero effort instead of focusing on the flight part of it. Everything related to flight really takes care of, and you can only focus on getting your shots and having fun. One of the things that uh, you mentioned, the waterproof part, and when I first thought, saw the video for Lily, I was amazed at, number one, you just throw Lily into the air and she takes off and, and starts doing what she does immediately, which is taking beautiful photographs of you. Throwing in the water is something that it's really the first time I've seen any kind of uh, from aircraft like this be completely waterproof. And that takes things to a whole new level because you can bring it to the beach. You can do it whether you're kayaking, whether you're, you're, you're whitewater rafting. There's so many elements. When you were designing Lily, um, what what made you go that extra step and say, you know what, this has to be waterproof? That's true. I mean, we wanted to enable as many use cases as possible. And so waterproof became an obvious uh, feature we needed to have on Lily, right? Because, when you, I mean, surfing is a great use case for Lily. But if the, the camera is not completely waterproof, you're never going to take it on in the water. And Lily will most likely always be in the air. But you feel much safer knowing that Lily is completely waterproof and that you can go anywhere and Lily will be uh, reliable. This is not something we could have done by having a separate camera module mounted on a, on a, on a drone. No, it has to be all in one product, integrated and working seamlessly together. Antoine, can you talk about the technology involved? Because because Lily is autonomous, pretty much, and just follows you, sure. you have to take into yep. account the environment, trees, things that might be in the way. How does Lily account for all these things that are around you? So Lily does not do obstacle avoidance right now. So let's say you throw Lily in front of you, 
bill will stay in front of you and follow you from that angle. Now, if you see a tree in front of you, you can at any point press this button on the tracking device and Lily will stop and hover and wait for your signal. Or you can move Lily around using the tracking device. So let's say you want to do a 360 shot, you can long press the left or right button on the tracking device and Lily will execute a really cool 360 shot. Right now, it's more of an awareness problem where you should be aware of where Lily is around you on the ground okay. and try to avoid obstacles yourself on the ground. Now, you, you mentioned the tracking device, Antoine, and this is really, really clever. For people that, you know, first of all, we suggest you do go to the website because the video is learning about the story of Lily. It's lily.camera. It's a great, great website, and you'll be able to see videos, um, and you'll be able to see this tracking device that Antoine's talking about. And for, for lack of a better term, it's like the size of a puck. It's basically similar to a hockey puck in size, probably a little thin, a slimmer profile, but it also has its own waterproof casing and housing that the wearer can use on the wrist. So really, if Lily is following you, using this tracking device and it's on your wrist in a waterproof case, you don't really have to think about it. It's another way that you make it easy for the user to just put this on your body and the user no longer has to focus on anything but doing whatever they want to do, right? Exactly, and the tracking device is great. That's one of the features it has. The other, another feature it has is that it records sound. So for the first time, mm. you have aerial footage with sound from within the scene. You don't, you're not constrained to silent videos anymore. You can actually hear yourself in the moment uh, while Lulu is capturing images from the air. The third thing that the tracking device does is it records data on how you're moving. There are inertial sensors on the tracking device that tell Lily if you're jumping or if you're falling or if you're accelerating or slowing down, all these things. And then it's all combined together with the video, creating a new form of content where, for example, Lily can slow-mo the video for you when you're in the air. Or Lily can take a picture when you're falling. All these things can... Uh, create a new form of content that uh, we hope is going to change the way we capture adventures. Now, that's brilliant. I, I wanted to ask, and obviously, uh, you know, in as much detail as you're able to go, uh, while, while our audience will still be able to get it, of course, but like you said, everything is sort of built into this sealed housing, which makes it sleek. Uh, it's a non-removable battery. It's a built-in camera to keep it sleek, waterproof. How is the camera? Because I think we're used to seeing so many drones, even though we, I wouldn't necessarily classify Lily as a drone, but we see so many other drones that use these gimbals, the exterior gimbals that use motors to sort of compensate the, you know, for the camera, camera movement. How is Lily able to do that with the camera built into the casing of the actual flying camera itself? Yeah, so mechanical gimbal are heavy, expensive, and clunky. And so we realized that we could achieve the same results in software by just doing digital cropping. So what we do is that we have a big sensor, and we crop the region of interest on the sensor, and then move around as Lily is shaking or moving or tilting, basically. And so we're able in software to correct for any kind of, um, you know, unstabilization of the, of the craft. And so it's been a lot of work. But again, we are a software company. Lily... Um, Lily is really all about software, and that's what makes it so easy to use and uh, so user-friendly. It's all in the software. The controls, the tracking algorithms, um, the interface with the user, the interface with the phone, all of this has been really optimized to create a very, very simple user experience. Antoine, let's talk a little bit real quickly because I know we have you for a limited time and we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, let's talk a little bit about price and release. Now, right now, Lily is set to release, I believe, in February of 2016. Uh, but if people jump in right now, they're able to get Lily, there if, they, if they go online right now and, and put money down, they're able to get Lily for $4.99. Is that right? That's right. So you can pre-order Lily right now for $4.99 on our website, www.lily.camera. And we will be shipping the first units in February 2016. And then the price in retail will be $1,000, $999, precisely. 
That's incredible. So That's incredible yeah. incentive to get on board now. I, you know, why wait till then when you can order now, guarantee of a spot in February, and get half off? Wow. No, that's fantastic. And of course, you know, like I said, Antoine, when we first saw this, when we saw the video, and I believe when I, I, I emailed you directly and I said, we've seen a lot of videos, a lot of drones, but Mark and I, our collective jaws were hanging down when we saw, we love how you made this accessible. And if you look at the video, you'll see it really is easy to operate any age, whether you're an experienced pilot or not. This camera is designed to do everything for you. So you can just do whatever you want. We're really excited. We can't wait to get our hands on one. And as soon as we do, we will give that to our, you know, we'll give our report to our audience too. But Antoine, thank you so much. And we wish you the best of luck getting Lily to market as soon as humanly possible. Great. Thank you guys for having me. Mitchell, you know, I can't I remember when I sent you that video for Lily, I was amazed just the water shot. My only worry about this drone, I swear, is that you're gonna throw it off. They have a, a great scene in the video when you go check out the website where the guy throws it off like a bridge and it takes off. Like if you forget that's the time you forgot to charge it. <laughs> well, you know what? I thought about this too, Mark, and my thought was I would always toss it up in the air where there is ground underneath it. I wouldn't, even if I was on a bridge or on the ledge of something, I would toss it up in the air next to me over the ledge just to make sure it didn't smash to the ground below my feet. Listen, a, a, a four or five foot tall fall, you know, fall is not going to be bad. A 30 to 60 foot fall, that's going to kill your lily. But, you know, one of these things, you know, we talk about so many cool products on the air, Mark. We try and direct people uh, to the different websites. Once again, lily.com camera best place to go the only sometimes the only way to really understand some of the things we're talking about because some of these products are so cool visually is to go to the website and check them out and we definitely recommend looking at the video it's really it's one of these groundbreaking products and i and i hope it's as successful as i think it will be I, I think it will be in this. I mean, this this it, it, this market really is getting flooded. This drone market, this this RC quadrocopter market is really getting flooded. So there, it, it it takes a lot for something to stand out like Lily, and I think Lily really does it, which is really really cool. Uh, Mitchell, well, this, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. I know. I think there are a few products out there. I know where we can't 3DR with their Solo. I think oh. that is a groundbreaking product. I think Xano Drone is another groundbreaking breaking product whenever that comes out. Um, so, I mean, they are out there. And I think among those three, you know, Lily, Xano, and Solo, we have three different products that are, there's room for all of them because they all do different things. They're not all geared toward the same audience. There's room for all of them. And I'm really excited about all three. I can't wait to get my hands on them. There's a couple things that kind of popped up while we were doing the show. Um, Nest yes. is apparently going to be revealing some new products. Now, if you remember, Nest was the one of the first smart connected thermostats designed by Tony Fidel, who was one of the grandfathers of the iPod, they called him. Um, mm -hmm. He since left the company. Google bought the company, even though it was primarily in Apple stores. They launched their smoke detector and their carbon monoxide detector. So there's yep. talk um, that Nest is behind a lot of the smart home and the home automation stuff in Google's labs, and that we're hearing June 17th as a potential release for some stuff on that side. And Office 2016, which is likely going to come out somewhere around Windows 10 release, uh, is that if you're on that preview, you can see some really cool new products and new features, sorry, in, uh, in Office 2016. So uh, have some fun with that stuff. And hopefully we will see now that they have a unified platform for all different platforms, you know, for uh, Windows, Android, um, Mac. Hopefully we will see the Mac software launching at the same time because that's that's their big thing now, right? Putting everything out at the same time digitally. So it used to be that when Office came out, Mac users would go, yay, Wait, new two Office, years. we'll see our yeah. version in three years. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and, and going back to the Google thing for a minute. So basically, they're not, they didn't just buy the company for the hardware. They're leveraging their software, which is, you know, oh, yeah. the, the crux of what 
what Nest does. We both have Nest thermostats and both love them. So another example of a company buying a hardware and software service, mostly for the software to use for their own, you know, for the, for the way they want to use it. Kind of like the Beats acquisition by Apple. Well, they needed that service and they bought the headphones too. And we're expected to see some, some Beats initiatives at WWDC on Monday. Uh, thank you, Mitchell, for taking the time. It's an awesome show. I want to thank Antoine, of course, from Lily Drone and our guys at Loot Crate. Check out LootCrate.com if you want to subscribe to that. We're hopefully going to be doing some more unboxings every month to see what they have in oh, store yeah. for us. Mitchell, awesome show. WWDC on Monday. We'll talk all about that next week on Your Tech Report. Again, Twitter, at Your Tech Report, Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report. You've been tuned in to Your Tech Report. Join us again next week for another edition. And be sure to follow Your Tech Report online. Email us, contact at yourtechreport.com. Follow us on Twitter at Your Tech Report. Like us on Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report. For the latest in breaking tech news and reviews, yourtechreport.com. Hi, I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca.